Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. In a makeup game for May, it's the Indians 9, the Cincinnati Reds 3. The Indians split the season series 2-2, which means they retain the Ohio Cup. We did it, everybody. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a baseball game yesterday. What a fantastic baseball game, at least if you're a Cleveland fan, it was. I don't know how they're feeling down in the southern part of the state, but my God, was the Indians' offense just fun yesterday, and we defend the Ohio Cup. There's nothing like getting excited over silly, meaningless trophies. Uh, The Ohio Cup definitely ranks up there for at least people in this area, with the uh, the Illy Buck Trophy. If you don't know what that is, that's the trophy. It's a wooden turtle between the University of Illinois and Ohio State in football. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of barge trophy between uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Tigers when they play their preseason game, like the Battle of Lake Erie or something. So uh, another one of those fun, meaningless trophies, the Ohio Cup stays in Cleveland for another season. I'm sure the team was out partying with it last night. Uh, Yeah, man, just a fun baseball game. And the top storyline is this offense against Luis Castillo, who had been pitching fantastic as of lately. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Since the All-Star break, he's been 3-1 with a 4.13 ERA and five starts, but a 148 whip. Uh, which those numbers, I guess, aren't that super impressive. But that adds in the loss from last night. If we go to the game logs, uh, for the month of July, he was 2-0 and with a 2.15 ERA and a 1.22 whip. Now, that is impressive for the month of July. For the month of June, he was 2-2 with a 1.71 ERA and a 0.98 whip. So for the, once we got into the summer months here, he was really cooking. But not last night. Gives up. Eight earned runs and three and a third innings pitched on seven hits on two home runs, three walks, and two strikeouts. He hasn't given up eight runs in a game. He only gave up nine runs for the entire month of July. He only gave up six earned runs for the entire month of June. He hasn't given up that many runs in a game since he was at Colorado on May 13th uh, when he gave up eight runs. Also went a little over three innings. So the Indians really took it to Castillo. And you know what? It was speed. It was speed that was doing it to Castillo. I mean, Miles Straw leads off with a double on a ball that he had absolutely no business hitting for a double. Shoots it down the third baseline. And then Ahmed Rosario, and it feels like we've been doing this a ton lately, chops a ball. Two third based, a soft hit ground ball, and he just beats it out with his speed. The uh, the exit velocity on this was seventy two point six miles per hour, negative uh, fifty seven degree launch angle. Distance was two feet. It had an expecting batting average of three ten because a speedy guy like Rosario can beat it out down the line. Uh, Jose Ramirez can't get the job done with a sack fly. Hits it too sh- too high and too shallow into center field. A fifty degree launch angle. Got under a low pitch. That would be the difference. Later in the game, they would make mistakes to Ramirez up, which allowed him to stay upright, which allowed him to put his good swing on it. This one he had to go down for, and he ends up popping it up. Then Fermil Reyes comes up. I could not 
believe they did not start the runner, Ahmed Rosario. I feel like if Francona's here, he's starting that runner, and DeMarlo Halo chose not to, because we've seen it. If you start the runner, you keep Fermio Reyes out of double play. He has a habit of hitting into double plays with that runner on first. And a double play would have been terrible there because you don't get that run home from third. Instead, he hits the ground ball to third like we all expect. And Ahmed Rosario slides in hard to second base and actually traps Jonathan India's foot against the bag and kind of spikes him in the top of the foot. India would be okay after walking it off, but he can't make the throw. Now, was it Ahmed Rosario's intention to spike Jonathan India? Was it a Dirty play from Omni Rosario? No, I do not think so. I think he was sliding in hard. I think he definitely wanted to make India get off his feet and not be able to, you know, pivot and throw the way he wanted to. You know, if he's going to throw this ball, he's going to have to jump over me because I'm coming into this base. He didn't slide with the spikes up. He didn't, you know, spike him in the leg and the calf or anything like that. His foot came into the base. And Jonathan India happened to just be slow on his jump and got his foot caught between Ahmed Rosario's foot and the base. So I think totally clean play from Ahmed Rosario. Unfortunately, you could tell he felt bad, right? He's a middle infielder. He's been in that situation hundreds of times, probably thousands of times throughout his career where a runner is bearing down on him at second base. So he understands. So I don't think there was any... uh, Love lost between the two of them, but I don't think there were any hard feelings moving forward either. Uh, India had himself a pretty good day as well up at the plate. Um, so yeah, so we get that run into score, that first run into score, and it just felt good to balance out their run. And we'll get to the Indians pitching, and we'll get to what happened against us. But it just felt good to even out that run. Then we continue to grind in that second inning. Uh, We scored in all of the first four innings in this game. And if you missed the beginning of this game, you missed a ton. So in that second inning, some more big at-bats. Bradley Zimmer gets hit by the pitch to start things off. And he gets hit in that pad that he wears on his uh, right tricep, kind of protecting the upper arm there. And I swear to God, I think Bradley Zimmer leads the league in getting hit by the pitch in your protective gear. Doesn't it feel like everybody challenges him up with a fastball, comes up and in with a fastball, and he takes it off of that pad? I mean, there's a reason he wears it there. You get hit there enough, you're going to start to wear some body armor there. But I don't know. That's for Zach Meisel or Mandy Bell to look up, someone who's got the you know the super data websites uh, to look up who leads the league in being hit by pitch in various locations on their body. But it feels like Bradley Zimmer has been hit a ton up there in that right arm, in that right shoulder area. Then that brings up Wilson Ramos, who is down 0-2. And he decides to throw him an outside pitch that is up. And Wilson Ramos is having himself a really nice, a really nice uh, second half to his season after it didn't work in Detroit. He throws him a slider for a strike that he chases outside. Throws him another slider on the inside edge that he fouls off. Throws him a changeup down that he fouls off and then figures, okay, I've gone soft. I've been in the 80s the last three pitches. Let me just burn him with some high heat. Well, he doesn't get it high enough. It is an outside pitch, and Ramos just steps through and pokes it out to right field. I mean, almost lets the bat and the ball do the work. 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 366 feet. It's just high enough 
to clear the nine-foot wall in right field. It's his second homer as an Indian, and it kind of it kind of really sparked this team. I mean, up until this point, felt like it might be a close game. This home run said, no, no, the Indians are going to take the lead in this one. Like, we are going to play from ahead in this one. So that was huge from Wilson Ramos. I mean, anytime your backup catcher is driving in runs, man, you'll take that. Then in the third inning, once again, it is speed. It is Ahmed Rosario singling. And then Jose Ramirez, he got under it last time. He did not get under it this time. 102 miles per hour, 26 degree launch angle, 373 feet. The center fielder for the Reds, Aquino, uh, actually had a chance to catch this one. He caught the, he, the ball hits him in the heel of the glove before he collides with the wall. This was not going to be a home run, which Jose Ramirez is still shaking his head how this wasn't a home run because he absolutely smoked this ball. Um, but it bounces off of uh, Aquino's heel of his glove. Aquino smashes into the wall. Uh, Castellano slips in the grass. At this point, the drizzle, the rain had kind of started, and so he slips in the wet grass. Uh, it didn't matter. Ahmed Rosario was on his horse and scores from first base. The speed of Ahmed Rosario now responsible for almost two runs in this game, right? Two runs in this game because of Ahmed Rosario's speed. Uh, if he doesn't get on, they don't try to turn the double play in the first, and then Straw can't come in to score. So a big job here from Ahmed Rosario and a huge blast from Jose Ramirez. Uh, Mio Reyes would ground out next um, after that, and uh, that would hold Jose Ramirez at third base. Uh, Harold Ramirez would walk after that, and then Bradley Zimmer would ground out to first brace and bring in the run. So doing the dirty job of getting that run in and, uh, you know, giving the Indians another run in this inning, a two-run inning, making it 5-1 to one Indians. Uh, that inning would eventually come to end with an Owen Miller walk, a ground out. And then uh, in the fourth inning, the Indians would add on Miles Straw would walk. Ahmed Rosario would hit a triple into the gap. And once again, the speed on the base pass. I mean, that's the big storyline for me in these first three innings. How much the speed was a factor on the base pass. Walking Miles Straw, you knew that was going to create some fun situations. Ahmed Rosario hits a ball to left center field off that 19-foot wall. Progressive Field is not a triples park. I mean, a ball like... Uh, Jose Ramirez in the second inning where it takes a weird bounce where an outfielder slips. That's how you get triples in progressive field. Ahmed Rosario decided as he's rounding first base, I'm getting a triple on this one. And he just hustles his way all the way into third. Those guys fly around the base pass. There were no throws. Everybody goes in standing. I mean, the ball ends at the cutoff, man, because uh, there's nowhere to go with it. Everybody's safe at their bases. So a huge triple from Ahmed Rosario. And it brings up Jose Ramirez who said, if that last one wasn't a home run pitch, I'm definitely going to make sure this one is a home run pitch. And he cranks one. It's a lower exit velocity, 92.4 miles per hour, but he pulls it down the right field line, 345 feet, and only an expected batting average of 0. or 0. 0.070 because uh, it just clears the wall. But a home run is a home run, and it brings in two more runs. And that was just... I mean, at that point, the game's over. 
Castillo would come out of the game after giving up the home run to Jose Ramirez, his 25th on the season, by the way, and that would take us into the Reds' bullpen. But at that point, I mean, the Indians had pretty much run away with this thing. They were up 8-1 to one at that point. They would surrender a run in the fifth inning. Then the icing on the cake. Why not? While we're talking offense, Bradley Zimmer comes up in the seventh inning. Let's go to this matchup here because Bradley Zimmer hit a home run that is reserved for Jim Tomey territory. I mean, Tomey is the one that when I think about home runs to center field, when I think about mega blasts to center field, it is always Jim Tomey that's going to come to mind. And this is to lead off the uh, this is to lead off the seventh inning. This is on the first pitch from Justin Wilson, who just came into the game, throws him a high cutter, 89.5 miles per hour. It's at the letters, it's at the top of the strike zone, it's a little bit outside, and Bradley Zimmer hits it 111.6 miles per hour, 28 degree launch angle, 471 feet. A 1,000 expected batting average because this thing would have been out in, you know, League Park or the Polo Grounds, one of those fields that had ridiculously deep center fields. And he absolutely destroys this thing. I mean, it clears those, not just those first trees, it clears, almost clears the second row of trees that protect Heritage Park. Um, this thing is probably sitting in, you know, in the brick wall underneath somebody's plaque in Heritage Park. Just a monster home run. I mean, can you think Manny Ramirez would always, and Albert Bell would always pull him to left field, right? Tommy was the one. Tommy was the one that would always go to dead center field. Hafner pulled the ball a lot, I feel like, to right field, right? Of all the home run hitters in Cleveland history and progressive field history, that's Tommy's territory, and Bradley Zimmer just uh, reserved himself a seat out there. So, a monster home run, and frankly, if you watch the replay, it doesn't feel like he got that much of it on the swing, and he clearly he did. Uh, so yeah, Zimmer was pumped. A great reaction from uh, Tristan McKenzie in the dugout, signaling home run. Uh, you know, biting his hand because the ball was hit so hard and so far. Uh, so yeah, so that was just some icing on the cake there from Bradley Zimmer. Now. Let's talk a little bit about this pitching uh, because it's a bullpen day, but Sam Hedges gets the start. And what does he do? Well, he walks the very first batter he faces on four pitches. And I mean, if you're Sam Hedges, could literally anything go worse? He throws four fastballs. First three are outside. Last one's high. Cannot find the strike zone at all. And you're thinking to yourself as a Cleveland fan, well, this is going to be garbage. Like, this is just going to be, if this is what Henches is bringing to the table, then we are absolutely screwed in this game. So India gets on to start things. Then, uh, it actually, they do the dirty work. They do the hard work of getting this run in. They really have to work for it. Um, in a seven-pitch at bat, he finally is able to throw a strike. He gets that fastball over for a strike against Jesse Winker. Uh, then battles with his fastball and his slider. Finally gets him to chase a slider outside uh, on a 2-2 count. And he chops it back to the pitcher. It allows India to move up to second, but he gets the out at first. And gets through a tough batter, Jesse Winker, who did foul one deep down the left field line at one point in this at-bat. 
Castellanos comes up. He now, with a runner on second, starts attacking the righty with curveballs. He's able to get him to swing over a curveball for strike one. I really like that as a first pitch. Throws a four-seam fastball on the outside for a call strike and then drops another curveball on the outside. This one, he flies out to Bradley Zimmer in right, and it moves Jonathan India up to third. Pretty deep into right, but an easy play for Bradley Zimmer. So, you know, that ball's hit fairly hard. He did have a fairly hard hit foul ball against Winker, so they were squaring him up a little bit, but he's getting out of it. That brings up the veteran Joey Votto, and one day, maybe in the offseason, we'll have to compare, but it feels like of all those players who got massive contracts in the mid-2000s, right? Votto, uh, Pujols, uh, remember Joe Maurer got a huge contract from Minnesota, right? A-Rod got a huge contract, uh, re-up with the Yankees. It feels like Joey Votto might have been the most productive of any of those players. Prince Fielder got a huge contract. Uh, Miguel Cabrera in Detroit, huge contract. Both of those guys were in Detroit for a while. It feels like Joey Votto really might have gotten the most value out of that contract. So we'll have to look at the numbers one day during the offseason and see really who of the like the 10, eight-year, 10-year contract guys really contributed the most war uh, the most value, maybe the most, you know, win probability added to their team. WRC plus, we'll pick a stat. So here, Joey Votto adds value because he takes a slider and shoots it back across to right field for an easy single. 82.8 mile per hour exit velocity because all he had to do was single with this ball. He knows the job he has to do, and it brings in India to score. So Henches learns a valuable lesson here. He walks the leadoff guy, and that run comes around to score. And he knew it. He knew he had to attack from that point. And uh, he would. He absolutely would. Coming into that second inning, uh, he really would be attacking. He'd strike out Eugenio Suarez, get him on a slider inside on him, you know, breaking in on the righty. And uh, that's just a rite of passage. Everybody gets to strike out Eugenio Suarez at some point. Uh, Quino, he uh, does single off him to left field. Uh, Tucker Barnhart would also single um, on a ground ball to left field. So he lets two guys on, but India coming back around. He misses for ball one with that fastball. He finally gets one over for a called strike, drops a curveball in the dirt, but then throws him another fastball. This time he's pounding him inside. That first at bat, everything was outside. He couldn't get that ball across the plate. This time everything is inside on Jonathan India, and he grounds into a double play to end that threat and end Sam Hench's day. So a really good day from Sam Hench's as the opener. And you know what? They don't push it. It's a, I love it. It's a great call from DeMarlo Hale. I mean, at that point, the Indians have you know a 3-1 to lead. Do you send him out there to start the third? He's only at 39 pitches. No. He did his job. He did what you asked him to do. Only two hard hit balls. His final line, two innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, one walk, and one strikeout. Two hard hit balls. That is solid opener stuff on a bullpen day. That brings in Justin Garza. Justin Garza would have a really good day. Would get uh, struggle a little bit. Did have two walks. Give a give up a run. Did have a hit, but in two innings, three strikeouts. Threw more pitches than Sam Hedges. Threw 45 pitches, but he really attacks. Strikes out the side in the third inning after walking the leadoff hitter, and that is just huge from uh, 
from Justin Garza. I feel like Garza has been really good, really effective in this kind of long relief role. I mean, striking out the side after the walk was absolutely huge. Then Blake Parker comes in. He goes two innings, only gives up a hit and one strikeout. No runs from him. Wickren with two shutout innings does give up two hits, but two strikeouts. And then Sandlin comes in, gives up an unearned run, an error, a throwing error allows a runner on, does give up a double. In fact, Wickren, both of those hits that he gave up were doubles. I believe they were doubles of the leadoff innings, and he was able to lock down, bear down, and get out of it, um, which is really impressive. I mean, uh, you know, double the leadoff the inning is not something you want to see. Uh, and he's able to get out of it. Yeah, Aquino doubled the leadoff the seventh, and then a ground out. Uh, he moved up to third, a strikeout of Jonathan India, holds him at third, and then a ground out to end the threat. And then in the top of the eighth, uh, oh, sorry, it wasn't the lead off the inning. Castellanos grounded out to lead off the inning. Votto doubles the second batter of the inning, doubles with one out. Tyler Stevenson grounds out to short, holds the runner at second, and then Kyle Farmer strikes out swinging. So Wickren survives two doubles. Salem, unfortunately, does give up a run on a double. But that's as far as it would go because he would strike out Jonathan India. I guess he didn't have that great of a game. And then Jesse Winker would line out to right field to end that threat, to end the game. So Sandlin does a great job. Going over to the player breakdown, let's see what was working for each one of our pitchers here. Uh, for Sam Henches, it was definitely those breaking balls. He only had a 13% CSW on the fastball. They did not swing and miss at the fastball. Speaking of not swinging and missing at the hard stuff... The Indians hitters were absolutely attacking everything hard that Castillo threw. That was the game plan. They swung 10 times at his sinker, did not whiff once. They swung 9 times at his forcing fastball, only whiffed once on that. So that was definitely the plan to be aggressive against Castillo's hard stuff. Uh, Hench is the same thing. They swung 10 times at his fastball, didn't whiff once, uh, but... He was able to get some decent stuff on his slider and his curve. It was a 38% CSW on a slider, 43% CSW on his curve. So those pitches were working for him. For Justin Garza, it, uh, well, it was mostly sinkers. It was 22 sinkers. And uh, it's not a great CSW, 27%, but they only put two in play. Um, they hit him hard, though. Those were the ones that they hit hard, absolutely hard. Uh, they also put two of his sliders in place. So not, uh, you know, not particularly dominant day from Justin Garza, but enough to get those strikeouts, right? Enough to get those strikeouts. Then Blake Parker comes in. Uh, he's good with his splitter uh, today. Uh, it's a 43% CSW on his splitter, which he threw seven times. Uh, for Nick Wickren, it was his slider and his changeup. His slider was really working for him. He threw it nine times, six swings. They were aggressive with three times and one called strike. Uh, 38% CSW for Wickren. And then for Sandlin, it was kind of spread out across the board. He attacked with the slider most, threw the slider eight times for Sandlin. And when he's living on the edges, when he's painting the edges, especially with that fastball, it's good stuff from Sandlin. The double he gives up does creep back over the middle of the plate, and even the flyout to end the game was kind of over the middle of the plate to a left-handed hitter. And if you're a sidearm righty, if you're throwing in the middle of the plate to lefties, yeah, they're going to hit you. They're going to hit you around. But if you're jamming them inside, if you're getting that ball across to the inside on those lefties, that's when he has success. 
And uh, so, yeah, he does give up a double, but he's able to get the job door and close job done and close the door in that ninth inning. So a great job by Indians pitching on a bullpen day when that can be really tough, right? We've talked about it before with a bullpen day, the mystery, the, the good part is you keep the hitters off balance. They never get to lock in on a pitch. They never get to see a pitcher maybe more than once. Maybe they see him twice. I mean, all our guys go two innings. That's actually really big that they're able to deliver that, right? We don't have to use Karinczak or Classe or Shaw in this one. Um, you know, we save those arms for the next series. But any of these guys could have had a bad day and throw the whole thing off. And they all were able to really bear down. It helps when your offense is just continuing to cr- grind and, you know, churn out runs every inning. But they really were able to do a great job of everybody being on their game yesterday, everybody doing their job for two innings. So fantastic job all around for the Indians bullpen. MVP on the day, the hero of the Ohio Cup. I got to give it up to Jose Ramirez. Uh, You know, Ahmed Rosario was four for five, which was really impressive. Did score twice. Uh, Had a double and a triple. I mean, it's a very impressive day for Ahmed Rosario. He's got his average up to 277 with a 717 OPS. Jose Ramirez, though, three RBIs, the homer and the triple, were definitely, uh, you know, huge, huge momentum moments in this game. And Ahmed Rosario, you know, was able to score on both of them. So Jose Ramirez, it's been a while since I feel like he's had a big game. I mean, his his average is at 257. His OPS is still up at 878. So yeah, Jose Ramirez, it just felt like a really big game from him to come back, have the three RBIs, lead the team in RBIs. So Jose Ramirez, he's walking away with MVP for the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Again, just a fun baseball game, right? So much within this game to talk about. The speed, the, you know, the Indians bullpen, you know, being so reliable, being one of the best bullpens in baseball. It was just a fun game all around. And we've got Oakland coming to town. Oakland, who we started the second half of the season with. Uh, So it's going to be a fun one, a team we do not get to see very often. Uh, McKenzie is going to start tonight. Uh, Then it's going to be Quantrill on Wednesday night. And then a day game on Thursday, it's going to be Eli Morgan. So it's still the young guys. I mean, that's, that's all we have. We keep running them out there. Uh, so I'm excited to see what McKenzie brings today. Uh, you know, does he lock in those mechanics and can he hold it for five or six innings? So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Indians nine, the Reds three. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about McKenzie. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Remember, let me know what you think of the new Cleveland Baseball Mornings logo. It's my pinned tweet up there on Twitter. So if you go find me at Davey Barris, leave a comment, leave a like, whatever you want. Let me know what you think of the new logo. Uh, Also, let me know your thoughts on the game, of course, and we'll discuss them on the show. I'm also hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, responding to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.